Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. A round of applause before I talk is always good, but a round of applause at the end is even better. It, uh, it reminds me the history of tip. When you talk about people giving a tip, the history of it, I love history, it stands for to ensure prompt service. And in London, there's an old coffee house that was really small, but it had the best coffee around, and that's really where the word tip started, because it'd be so crowded and you have to wait so long, so people would walk and give the coffee maker, the barista, a tip to ensure prompt service. And so I appreciate your tip on the front end, but uh, we'll see how you feel on the back end. I'll be, I'll be sensitive of our time. The, um, I just want to speak from my heart today. And, Pastor, thank you for that introduction. And it's just an affirmation of a reiteration of the things that my parents told me as a kid that maybe didn't mean much then, but as I get older, they mean a lot now. And they would always say to me, Always be where you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to be doing with who you're supposed to be doing it with. And if I don't say anything else today, if I would drop dead right now today, I hope I don't, but if I did, (laughs) if you don't remember anything about today or anything else about me, I would ask that you remember, always be where you're supposed to be doing what you're supposed to be doing with who you're supposed to be doing it with. And that's the cornerstone that I've strived each and every day to live my life by. Some days I was uh, where I was supposed to be. I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing, and I wasn't doing it with who I was supposed to be doing it with. But I'm here to tell you today that God forgives He's there as an inspiration. He loves us. And my mantra every single day that I hope you can put your spin on it. Be where you're supposed to be. Doing what you're supposed to be doing with who you're supposed to be doing with. And if you follow that and do it at the highest level that you possibly can, that gives you a lot of latitude but where we get in trouble in our lives is where we're not where we're supposed to be doing things we shouldn't be doing with people that we shouldn't be doing them with. And that's what they call the third rail. And the more you cannot touch the third rail, the better your life will be. And said in my household, because I love sayings, is, Tell my kids, stay out of cars with bald tires. Because on a day like today, if we had a weather like this in Minnesota, we, we take the whole day off. But on a day like today, you can get in a car with bald tires on it. And you'll be able to reach your destination. But the character of a man, the character of a woman, 
is not predicated on days like today. You'll really find out who you are, what you stand for, and how much you believe in God is when it's snowing, when it's rainy, when it's windy, when you're on roads with potholes. So, so many people in life make a determination and make the decision and start to believe that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing with people they should be doing it with when really they're really in, in a car with ball tires. So I would challenge all of you all to stay out of cars, literally and figuratively, with ball tires. Because there's been a few times in my life, the first thing I do when an Uber or Lyft comes to pick me up, first thing I look at before any car I get in, and I say this seriously, is I look at the tires. Because if you get in a car with ball tires and you start your journey in life with weather that looks like it is today, that journey would be smooth. But when you get up in the mountains and the fog hits and the roads get a little slick and the rain comes in and you start looking at the side of the mountain and start wondering what's going on, bad things happen. So I would challenge you starting today, stay out of cars with ball tires. It's better to walk. I want to spend a little time, and I'm sensitive to your time, today in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. And I'm so grateful to God. Again, he was where he was supposed to be, doing what he was supposed to be doing with who he was supposed to be doing it with when Pastor Dan showed up 20 years ago. There are no accidents in life. There are opportunities. And the reason why I get emotional when I come here and get a chance to spend time with Pastor Dan and Angie and their family is I think about that if 20 years ago, if he had not been asked to fill in for the gentleman who had double booked his schedule and who couldn't do our chapel, my life wouldn't be the same. And so I'm just humbled. I moved to tears. And not tears of sadness, but tears of gratitude. I don't even know the gentleman who canceled. I don't know the gentleman who called Pastor Dan. But if I did know him, I'd write him a thank you note to thank him for calling Pastor Dan to be able to fill, up, fill in for him. And I'm just so grateful to Pastor Dan that he didn't have to do that. There's so many decisions we make on a daily basis in our life. And that's why we have to have faith that if we follow God and we make decisions to do what's right, even some of the most innocuous decisions that we make will transform your life in ways that you never could imagine. There's so many things that go into God blessing us. 
the pastor who was going to speak with the Rams. Let me even take a step further. When the NFL did the schedule in 1999 and had us playing out here in San Francisco, if that schedule maker had chosen the Rams to play the 49ers a week earlier or a week later or at a different time, the person who was invited to do our chapel may have been there. He would not have had to call Pastor Dan. We would not have met. Let's say Pastor Dan said no. Let's say if the man showed up. Let's say if that was a trip that I decided not to come on. Let's say that was the day that I said I want to stay in my room and watch college football and not go to chapel. Or let's say the day that I was, I was going to go eat dinner with a sponsor. There's so many things that go into place to put us where we are. There are no chance meetings. One of the reasons why I have not missed one game in my 21-year NFL career, not one, not a preseason game, not a regular season game, not a playoff game, not a home game, not a away game. And he probably doesn't know this. It's because of what he has meant to me in my life then I am fearful that if I am not where I'm supposed to be, doing what I'm supposed to be doing, with who I'm supposed to be doing it with, I may miss my next Dan Vera blessing. So many people ask me, why do you go to Seattle? on a Sunday night, Saturday night, preseason game and get back at six in the morning when the game's on TV. Why do you do that? And I tell them, I never know. That's the good thing about life. That's how God works. He does not announce to us when he's getting ready to move. And I don't want to run the risk that I go to a game in a city where I have family. But I decide to skip the game because it's a Monday night game and I may be a little sleepy. Because there may be an opportunity there, just like with this, that God has ordained to happen in your life. And if you make a decision to not to listen to God, to be where you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to be doing with who you're supposed to doing it with. And the sad thing about it is so many of us would never know what we missed. And that's why I do it. That's why I fly to all of my son's football games in Mississippi State. I've gone this year a couple nights with zero sleep. It's not easy to get from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, to New York. Mississippi State played LSU in a night game. We played the Jets the next day in a noon game. I don't miss because I never know what the opportunity is. And I never know a note that I may leave 
on my bed with a $20 bill thanking the maid who cleaned my room. That may save his or her life. I never know my conversation on a plane. I never know our interactions. And I really pray that everyone in here today recognizes there's no chance meetings. There's no thing that they call serendipity. There's no luck. The Lord is in control. He's in control. So I just want to take just a few minutes now and talk about the the story about the ten lepers in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Let me read it for you if you don't have your Bible. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then he entered a certain village. There met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And this man was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except for this foreigner? And he said to this man, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well or your faith has made you whole. I'll give you a little backdrop on this story. First, let's start with leprosy. Leprosy was the worst possible disease that a person could have. Some people think it attacked your limbs and your skin. That was the results of leprosy. Basically what it did, it attacked your nervous system, which cut off your ability uh, for your limbs and skin and all those things to operate. So it would result in people losing limbs, feet, hands. Things would fall off. It would eat your skin. Your, your, the smell was awful. So if the word ever got out that someone even thought, if a priest heard that you might have leprosy or had been exposed to someone who had leprosy, you would be kicked out of town. You had to leave the village. They didn't play any games with leprosy. A lot of people in biblical times thought it had something to do that you had committed a sin. But right, wrong, or indifferent, leprosy was not something that you played around with. Your spouse has left you. Your kids left you. You lost your job. You had no 401K. You had no pension. You had no Social Security. You couldn't drive your car, even a car with with ball tires. You couldn't eat anymore. You couldn't hang out. You couldn't watch TV. You were basically kicked out of town immediately. So there was a day that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And you know the story. He was not going to Jerusalem to watch a golf tournament or a tennis tournament. He was on his way to be crucified, so he had a different mindset. He was focused. They said he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. 
Samaria has a great story because that's where he met the woman at the well, and he talked about giving her living water. And Galilee was his spot. That's where he was born and raised, his headquarters. Many, many of the uh, miracles, they said 25 out of 33 of the miracles occurred in Galilee. 19 of the 32 parables in Galilee. So he knew this area very good, but he was focused on changing the lives of people. At a distance, Scripture said, from afar. I did a little research. There was a rule, there was a law, that if you were a leper, you had to stay 200 to 300 feet away from a person without leprosy. They didn't want to run the risk of you tripping and falling on them. Two to 300 feet away, because I'm in the business of football, 300 feet is the length of a football field. So if you can visualize that, if you were a leper, you couldn't get the length of a football field away. So here comes Jesus with his disciples on his way to Jerusalem. And these lepers, they said in scripture, I didn't make any of this up, I don't twist the word, said they lifted their voices to call out to Jesus, to basically ask to be healed. He heard them. Why is that important today? Is that so many of us, there have been times in my life where I felt that I was not worthy to call out to Jesus. But I'm telling you today, no matter what state you're in, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, no matter what you've done a year ago, 10 years ago, 20, 30, I don't care if you did it last night. I don't care if you did it on the way here to church. Is I'm here to tell you that God wants to hear our voice. He wants to hear our voice. And if any of you have been around people who are fighting for their life and their health, who don't feel well, whether it's a child, whether it's a kid, whether it's an older person. I remember when my mother was in hospice, when my father was in the hospital and I knew they were dying, they didn't speak with a loud voice. You'd almost have to lean over and put your ear on them to hear what they were saying. So if you think of a leper, limbs hanging off, they said lepers basically ate garbage. They ate food that animals wouldn't eat. That they had to lift their voices to speak. Jesus was at one goal line. They were at the other goal line. They had to lift their voices for him to hear them. Which tells you, one, he'll listen, but two, you got to be serious about it. Because you got to have the energy. If you think that you're on your deathbed, if you're a leper, barely hanging on, a lot of us have lost loved ones. And we knew when they were sick. We knew when their time was coming to an end. They, we couldn't hear them across the hospital room. So think about it. Someone who's been sick recently in your life, ask yourself, do you think you would be able to hear their voice if you were the opposite end on a football field? The answer is yes. One, if you were listening for it. Two, if they were serious about you hearing them. These men were serious. They knew they had reached the end. They had lost everything. They lost their family, their children, their loved ones. Their life was over. They were near death. But they were so focused on Jesus that they yelled out. They lifted their voice. And you know what? He heard them. And he'll hear us. He's hearing us today. He's hearing us every single day. 
So as they lifted their voice to him, he heard them. And he spoke back to them and said, go show yourselves to the priests. You will be made well. You'll be healed. You'll be cleansed. And what did they do? They didn't sit there and negotiate. They turned around and started walking toward the priest. The reason why that scripture is so important is that if you had leprosy and if you claim to be healed or your family claimed to be healed because, you know, there's people that always run in a game in every business. There were people who say, oh, I'm healed. So they had a requirement that it was 16 days before the priests would give you your clean papers. 16. They had all these different symbolic things and medical things you had to go through for eight days, and you took a break, and then you did it again for eight days. And if it checked out during that period of time, then the priests would give you your paper to say you're, you're healed. It was a serious situation. Jesus told them to go show the priests. So many times in life, I can't speak for you because you are probably stronger in your walk than I am, is that I want to see that I'm healed. I want to have my papers in hand before I go show the priests and listen to Jesus. And Jesus told them, go your way, go show the priests that you're healed. When they were walking toward the priests, they said these men became healed. Why is that important? Is that there are things... I can't speak for you, I can speak for me, but I would guess I can speak for you. There are things in my heart right now that God has been telling me to do. That I'm asking God, show me my papers first before I can go do it. But the beautiful thing about having an opportunity to stand before you today is that when I was preparing to talk with you all today, I thought I was preparing for you, but God was preparing. He was talking to me. He was telling me, you need to start going your way. You need to start walking toward the priest before you get your papers. So there's some blessings in here that have not been unleashed that God is waiting to unleash because he's been telling you to go show yourself to the priest. And there's people sitting in here right now me included, I'm standing, that I've been standing, that I've been waiting. I said, God, I I believe you. I'm willing to go show the priest. But you got to give me my papers first. You got to show that I'm healed because I don't want to be embarrassed if I go to the priest and I'm not healed. But you know what the beautiful thing about this scripture is? Is that the people who kicked these people out of town, the lepers out of town, were the priests. And so God will put us in a situation to say, trust me. And I'm going to show that the cycle is complete because the people who kicked you out are the ones that you're going to be able to go show that you're okay. But it starts with the first step. And he said to them is, he says, go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went. If you write that down, as they went, as you go, as I go, as I went, as they went, what happened? They were cleansed. It doesn't say, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. They were cleansed and then they went. As they went, as they started walking, as they showed faith, I don't know if it was the first step, the 10th step, the 50th step, 
the 200th step, the 10th mile, but as they went, they were cleansed. So as they went, they were cleansed. So can you imagine having leprosy, basically having your death sentence, your life's over, your spouses are gone, your kids don't talk to you anymore, everything you own you've lost, you're eating garbage that dogs won't eat. And Jesus walks by, speaks over you at the other end of a football field, and you start walking back to the priest, and then all of a sudden, you're cleansed and you're healed. Just think how excited you would be, how proud you would be. So the human nature, and just stay with me these last couple minutes, I promise, five minutes, the human nature is for us, when we get from God what we want, even though we don't really believe that we deserve it, but when he blesses us at a level we want to go and show, show it off. Come on and they figured the faster they got to the priest, they can start that 16-day clock to get their real clear clearance papers so then they really can hang out with their family and friends. I don't blame them, but write this down. When God blesses you beyond your wildest dreams, make sure that you are not rushing back to get back into the rat race of where you were before, before he blessed you. And these people basically were trying to get back home to see if their wife or husband was still there, to see if their kids would talk with them, if they could get their job back. And what God is saying, that's wonderful, and I don't blame you for wanting to rush back, but then this is when the story really gets good. There were 10 of them. There was one person who was a foreigner, who was a Samaritan, who actually said, you know what? We should be hustling back home to show the priest so we can start this 16-day clock going. But what Jesus just did, I got to turn around and go and find him and thank him for doing that. So think about this. This was not a paved highway. He wasn't in a Ferrari. He wasn't in a helicopter. Jesus is at at the opposite end of a football field. Jesus is walking, heals the men with his voices. These men start running back toward town. Jesus is walking the other way when the spirit hits this one leper and says, I got to go. So that means he had to chase all the way where he was from to chase Jesus down, to fall at his feet, to thank him for what he had done. He was grateful. And that's what I'm here to tell you today. Just be grateful. Be grateful. Think how awesome it would be. Just think how we're moved to tears by reading this book. What would it be like to have a chance to walk with Jesus? To have had a chance to spend time with him, have dinner with him, ask him what was on his mind, spend a couple weeks with him. You might have even, although you may not have wanted to be there, you you may have even been invited to the Last Supper. You probably would have shown up at the crucifixion because you spent time with him. And that's what God wants us to do. All he wants us to do is just to spend time with him. So this man turns around, runs, falls at Jesus' feet. Jesus said, I'm so happy you're here, but I got a question for you. 
Weren't there nine other people with you? Here's the question I ask of you. Is Jesus happy that we tithe, that we give one-tenth, one man out of ten? I'm not a mathematician. That's ten percent. Is he happy? Yes. Does he need our money? No. But what, what did he ask the question? He didn't make a big deal out about the guy coming to thank him. He said, were there not nine others? So here's the deal. Even if you're tithing, God still wants to know what we're doing with our other 90% of our money. So it's good to focus on the one. But he wants to look at our life in a holistic manner. What are we doing when we're not in church? What are we doing when we're not with a group of friends who love the Lord and serve the Lord? What was I doing in my hotel room last night? Is he concerned about what I'm doing now? Yes. Am I glorifying him? Yes. But he's more concerned what I was doing last night and what I'm going to do when I leave here today. So I want you to write down, focusing on the 10 is good. Focusing on the tithe is great, but I want to challenge you to focus on the nine. Focus on the other nine. What are you doing with the other 90% of your income? What are you doing with the other time that you're not in church? What are you doing with the other time that you're not in Bible study? What are you doing with your time? What are you doing with your life? In closing... I think the biggest gift that we can give to God is gratitude. That's why I get so emotional when they song, I guess this, the, 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 this, this sermon could be called Just Want to Be With You. There's only 1,444 minutes in a day. Regardless of how much money we make, how much we're worth, where we've been, what we've done good, what we've done not so good, how many degrees we have, no matter whatever it is. There's only 1440. That's my favorite number because I work in a business primarily with millionaires and billionaires. I met some people, some of our owners in the league are worth more than $10 billion. But they got the same amount of minutes that I have in every day. And they have the same amount of minutes that you have every day. So the challenge becomes is what are you going to do with your minutes? Last time I was in London, we played the Cleveland Browns there two years ago. And they have these signs in the subway. It says, mind the gap. So I asked one of the workers there, what, is, what does that mean? He said, there's a gap between the train and where you step out in the train station. There's a gap. People have dropped their purses. They've dropped their wallets. They've dropped their cell phones. They've dropped very valuable items. They've slipped. Their foot has gone in there. So they have these signs, and they say it. Mind the gap. Because it's the gap that will get us in trouble. It's that space between the train and the platform. And I'm here to tell you today, 
I am so grateful. I'm overwhelmed with emotion that God has kept me out of that gap. He's kept all of us out of that gap. So the biggest gift that we can give to God is a heart of gratitude. And as the song said, I just want to be with you. Do I like going and see my son play college football? Yes. Do I like seeing my daughter give presentations? Do I like hanging out with big groups with my wife? Absolutely. But the times I enjoy the most are the dinners I had last night. The dinner I had on Friday night with my son, just one-on-one. The breakfast I had with my wife. The time I spent with my daughter in the car. The time I get an opportunity to spend with people. I've been so blessed. I've been able to do things that as a kid I would read about in a book that I would hear people talking about. That I see people on the plane looking up on Google. I've been able to live those things from touching a Lombardi trophy to having a Super Bowl ring to walking in Paris to going to Italy to going to Japan to going into the White House for a Christmas party. There are not many things left from a worldly sense for me to do. The only thing really left for me to do is to really share my love for Christ, what he's meant in my life, and to challenge people to have a heart of gratitude. So as we end today, I would ask yourself just a simple question. Are you the one leper? Are you one of the nine? Who are you? Are you the one that turns around to chase Jesus? Are you one of the nine? They didn't do anything wrong that were anxious to get back to, to show the priests what had happened. I pray that we'll see each other again. I look forward to the next time we spend together. But I would ask you to spend every moment of the rest of your life being the one leper who turns around to go chase Jesus. And I would also challenge you to be where you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to be doing with who you're supposed to be doing with. God bless you. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.com.